Hello, and welcome to another fantastic episode of Unstoppable Rise, a resource dedicated to helping motivated individuals press on towards the mark of self-actualization using a blended tool set of old school wisdom and new breed tactics to help achieve this end. My name is Sim, I'm going to be your host, and today we're going to be talking about the Philosophy Manifesto. Hello and good morning, good afternoon, or good evening to you, depending on where you're listening from around the globe and when you're listening. Thank you once again for tuning in to the show, and today we're going to be talking about the Philosophy Manifesto. Last time we talked about the Psychology Manifesto, so psychology can be seen as the base layer upon which you rest your self-development foundation. Now we're going to be looking at philosophy, what does that mean, why do you need it, and the aspects that make up this pillar of philosophy, or this corner of philosophy, depending on how you put it or conceptualize it. And for the Psychology Manifesto, when I was listening back to the audio, I noticed that I was trailing off at some parts. I recorded that at the end of a very long day for me. And my intention for that was just to get it out and get it into the hands of you and get it out into the ears of you so you could listen to it and get some understanding on what psychology means from a self-development perspective. It wasn't my best audio, but I hope that the main points were able to come across very clear for that. And the next audios, the next manifestos will definitely be recorded at a different time period so we don't have to worry about me sounding tired on these. So, again, coming back to philosophy, the purpose of these manifestos is to give you a 360 degree view of self-development from the lens of psychology, philosophy, productivity, and progression or self-improvement, general self-improvement. And anything you think about from a self-development or self-improvement lens can fit into one of these categories or even multiple categories. If you go on to unstoppablerise.com right now, you'll see that the site is categorized that way for a reason. It's because that's how I have mentally constructed self-development and categorized self-development. So now we're going to be talking about building a philosophical foundation for yourself. And philosophy is... An entire module in Cornerstone, my new course that just came out this year. Philosophy is an entire module in Cornerstone, and in it, I talk about how to build a strong self-development philosophy that you can use for life, that you can use for different situations, and one that will be the groundwork upon which you build your success in your future endeavors. So philosophy, again, we're going to be talking about that today. So in Cornerstone... I have an entire lesson dedicated to answering the question, why philosophy? Where I answer the question, why, to each of these self-development foundations. Why are we, why are we learning about this? Why, are, why is this important to know about? And for philosophy, what it is, we're going to talk about the what before we talk about the why. What philosophy is, is not what you've learned in school Part of it is what you've learned in school, reading about people like Socrates or Aristotle, or usually you learn about 
just general Western or even Eastern philosophers like Lao Tzu or Confucius or something like that. But philosophy in and of itself goes much deeper because in this, we're talking about a philosophy for life. We're not talking about this the, the convention of debating ideas and debating theories and all of that. You can do that with philosophy, but this is practical philosophy. This is pragmatic philosophy. This is usable philosophy. So that's why we're learning about it. And that is pretty much what the what is about. And the why, why do you need philosophy, is very multifaceted. So I'll break it down like this. When you think about the human being, when they first come into the world, when they make their appearance on the grand stage of life, that human being is a blank slate, pretty much. Knows nothing about the conventions of the world, how to operate in the world, and how to manage oneself in the world. So this is where the process of socialization comes into play. And socialization is a process through which you pretty much are programmed by your peers, by your parents, by authority figures to be a quote-unquote valuable citizen in the world and to operate in the world in a certain way. And that's the intention behind socialization. Obviously, intention and implementation is different. There's a gap between the ideal of socialization and the actual implementation of it. Many people were born in families that were either poverty-stricken, one or both of the parents weren't there, um, maybe there was a death in the family, maybe there was chaos in the family, just pretty much ideal or non-ideal life situations for healthy development. And a lot of people were raised in chaotic environments. I know many people who were raised in environments of abuse of various kinds. I know many people who weren't even taught some of the basics around how to conduct yourself in life. I know people who were raised in families where it was told that behaving in an antisocial way was the way to get needs met, which was because that's how they learned how life works for them. That was their philosophy of life. Right. So the socialization process is far from ideal. And it's something that you're pretty much given a philosophy to work with. No matter who you are, or where you came from, you're given a set of tools, set of mental tools to use as you grapple with life and navigate the world itself. And when we're talking about constructing proper philosophy, constructing something that, you know, can make your life easier in a sense and make you understand the world better. There's not enough time to really dig in deep and pretty much learn it all on your own because life and time is finite. So you can't necessarily do that. This is why you stand on the shoulders of giants. This is why, again, the human being, when they come into the world, they can't learn everything they need to learn on their own. So socialization gives them some tools to work with. You're reaching back into whatever past that that socialization is from. It could be from the direct family line. It could be from a family friend. It could be something that somebody, like a parent, like them reading books. It could be them reaching into the books they've read to teach a child about how to live their life. 
But either way, anybody who has accomplished anything in life stood on the shoulders of people who came before them. So that's what philosophy is doing. You're reaching back into the massive repository of the human experience. If you're looking at it from a Jungian, Carl Jung's perspective, he would call it the collective unconscious. But in terms of philosophy, you're reaching back into the human experience and you're gaining lessons from people who lived many years before you did and coming them coming to their conclusions on life and integrating that into your philosophy. Because, again, life is too short to really figure it out on your, all on your own. And really, life is not necessarily about making the right moves. It's more about avoiding the wrong moves, if that makes sense. Because a wrong move will do more to set you back than a right move will do to advance you. And that is something that takes some understanding. So think of this, for example. Like, let's say you make a right move. Let's say you do something and you win like a million dollars or you were able to get into the college of your choice or something like that. <clears throat> or you were able to do something that can put you ahead in life by many years. Obviously, we want to get wins. We want to make sure we push towards our goals and push towards everything positive that we want to do. But there's also the fact that you need to avoid doing stuff that sets you back many years. Like, for example, um, on, a, on, a, on a lower end of the spectrum, something that can set you back is not taking action or not taking enough action. There are so many people who do read stuff like philosophy or they do do stuff like philosophy, but they don't take any action and they're not really advancing. But at the same time, since life is changing and constantly changing and the environment is constantly changing, they are being left behind and that's going to end up setting them back. So when they do wake up and do take action or they do have the inclination to take action, they're many years behind already, quote unquote behind. No one's really ever behind or ahead of anyone, but there are things that we all want to do with our lives and things that will bring us closer to that or take us further away from that. And the objective of life is to do more of the former, obviously, and to do less of the latter. And doing less of the latter involves constructing a good life philosophy so you can not make the wrong moves. So that's why we're concerned with philosophy. So there are several aspects that make up this pillar of self-development. I don't know what to call them. I just call them pillars because that's the easiest word that I can reach into my consciousness for. Probably there's a better word for them, but I'll just call it a pillar for now. So there are several aspects that make up this pillar of philosophy. And let's go through them. So the first aspect you need to know about to construct a good life philosophy would be knowledge. You need knowledge. Like I said before, no man is an island. No man is exempt from the past. No man is exempt from learning from people who came before them. So it cuts down your learning time, shortens your learning curve, and it helps you avoid those mistakes, those wrong moves. So knowledge, in order to understand the workings of constructing a good philosophy, we need to have books that we're reading. We need to have 
material that we're reading. So in terms of the books, there's a lot of books on philosophy out there. A lot of them are more mental exercises, but then there's a lot of books on philosophy that tell you or give you advice on how to live life. No one can actually tell you how to live life, but there's many books out there that give you advice on how to live life. And then you start reading them and you start, you start implementing them or you start implementing some things in them. And then you start to come to your own conclusions about the world. And some of these books are for philosophy or you should usually be looking at books that were written in a time before the modern era. So I'm talking about books like Meditations by Marcus Aurelius, the Bible, even, um, the Upanishads, the um, Letters from a Stoic, another piece of Stoic philosophy, and even some of, like I mentioned, uh, Confucius works, or even the Tao Te Ching by Lao Tzu, who I also mentioned earlier. So these are the types of books that were written at a time when people did not have access to as much information as we do now. And a lot of people had a much more direct experience with reality than a lot of people do now. And a lot of people now, there's a barrier of abstraction between themselves and the world, between reality. And you can see this in how people pretty much shield themselves from the pain of life or shield themselves from hard doing hard things by escapism. And there wasn't as much escapism back then as there is now. A thousand years ago, if you wanted to, you know, if you wanted to actually feel accomplished, you couldn't just go on to the internet and argue with people or win a flame war or something like that. You actually had to go out there and actually do something. You had to actually contribute value to the world. Now, we live in a world where you don't have to contribute value at all and you can still get a hint of a feeling of someone who actually did something and contributed to the world. But that is an aside. That's actually obviously not how life works. And having good life philosophy will inform you to say, hey, I don't think playing video games all day or, you know, not working is actually a good way to live life. But that's different. So going back to the books, you want to look at stuff that was written before the modern era, before there was a lot of technology around, before there was a lot of convenience around, because a lot of those people did have a lot of uh, they were a lot closer to reality than what a lot of people are now. A lot of people obviously now are living in various states of delusion, the quote-unquote matrix, as you can call it. But yeah, any books before the modern era, definitely a good thing to look at in terms of principles. And I talk about principles in Cornerstone as well. We go in, in depth into that, what they are, why they're important, and looking at some areas where you can find principles, how to find principles in life. I go all into that in Cornerstone. But obviously looking at the classics, looking at stuff that is actually, you can actually wrap your mind around and some that actually makes you pause and think. 
right? So you want to get the knowledge. You need to get the knowledge. And then after the knowledge, the second point would be experience. So philosophy means nothing unless you actually experience, have direct experience with it. Someone could give a recount of their spiritual experiences and put them in a book, which many people have done, and many people have recounted various things over the years, but it doesn't really mean anything until you actually experience it yourself. And spirituality uh, is combined with psychology. It's, I consider spirituality, psychology, and philosophy, and also metaphysics as well combined, but spirituality really is experience. I mean, that's why some people find it so hard to grasp because you're not going to read about, well, you can read about spirituality, but you're not going to find the fruits of spirituality in a book. You'll find the seeds, you'll find an instruction, for example, how to meditate or how to pray or how to do something. But your direct experience with God, for example, is not going to come through a book. It's going to come through your own experience. And you can either say that, you know, this does not line up with my experience or, yeah, this is actually something that I've experienced a hint of, right? So getting the experience, getting the quote-unquote street smarts. So this is the street smarts in the book smarts versus street smarts. Street smarts obviously wins overall. Obviously, it's better to have some book knowledge before you go out there and just start executing and doing stuff that would help but there is no substitute for experience experience is the best teacher and this is sort of why it's very easy to fall for what i'd call simple ideology when you're younger or when you don't have a strong self-development or philosophical foundation is because you think that life is simple. And I mean, life is simple. It can be simple, but it simultaneously and paradoxically, it's complex. It's not just something where, oh, I can just click my fingers and then all of a sudden all my problems are gone. That's the instant gratification mindset. And in self-development, instant gratification is not going to help you out. And in philosophy, instant gratification is not going to help you out because philosophy involves wrestling with how to untangle problems and especially existential problems of the human existence. So people who are younger or people who don't have a strong philosophical foundation are more likely to fall for cheap, you know, cheap things, get rich quick, um, five easy payments of 1995 or whatever, you know, shortcuts pretty much. And this is why I like being at the phase I am at in my life is because I now have a good enough philosophical grounding to discern, that's the important part, discernment, to discern something that may be true or something that may be bullshit. And when you're younger, especially if you're just coming out of college or high school, you don't really have this ability, but only through going through the give and take of life, which I've done and which many other people have done, it's only go going through the give and take of life and going through your own experiences and learning and growing and winning and losing and getting your heart stepped on and, you know, 
just experiencing the joys and pains of life in its fullness that you start to come to grips with what life is and how you can operate in it, right? So there was a whole bunch of stuff that I believed when I was younger and I started Unstoppable Rise when I was 24, right? So I started in 2016 and my thinking on a lot of things has changed in between now and then, like everyone's has. I mean, six years is a long time. And going through six years in your 20s as well is a long time. But my thinking on many things has changed while I still maintain a lot of the core principles. Because, I mean, that's what you should build your philosophy on, the principles of life. The things that are ever-present and pretty much never going to change. So, I was 24, like I said, when I made Unstoppable Rise. And now I'm going to be 31 in a couple of weeks. Uh, so... I'm happy where I'm at with my uh, philosophy in life, and I've made great steps to reinforce and reorient my philosophy in life. So I feel confident and grounded in where I am and my convictions and my values and my standards and everything relating to that. So like I said, it's a good place to be in. And when you get older, you know, there's just not too much that a lot of people can really tell you when you're about your business. And I think at my age, I don't think it's very, I don't think it should be a common experience for someone to just feel completely lost. I don't think anyone will really ever know what's going on in life. I don't think anyone ever should, but I don't think at the age of 30 or even 31, I don't think anyone should really feel lost. You should pretty much have a good if you've been doing work on yourself, you should pretty much have a good knowledge of who you are at this stage, what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, and you shouldn't be just running on blind optimism or naivete. You're able to actually consciously and granularly look at self-development. And for myself, doing this work so, so for so long, I'm able to look at it from a macro and a micro view and see you what I'm doing right, what I'm doing wrong, and adjust from there. And it's only because I was able to orient my philosophy and my psychology towards building a good self-development foundation. I didn't focus on just making a ton of money during my 20s, or I didn't focus on just, you know, going for the luxuries of life, because that's not what real life is, right? Right? And I don't think that's a point that a lot of people really understand. And even during school, this is sort of why I didn't party too, too much. I did party quite a bit, but I mean, I wasn't going out every single weekend. I wasn't um, taking substances every single weekend. I wasn't, um, you know, trying to get with girls every single weekend because I knew that that's ultimately, that was ultimately unsustainable. That's an unsustainable foundation. And that's an unsustainable philosophy to build your life around, just trying to get pleasure from life. And I've mentioned it before, you cannot build your life on pleasure because it is a shifting and rickety foundation. Because when the pleasure is gone, which pleasure is only temporary, you have nothing. 
right? So if you just build your life on instant gratification and easy fixes and quick wins and all that stuff, you don't have anything when all that tide, when all that goes out, when the tide goes out, you know, there's not, there's nothing there. So that's why I made it a point of duty early on to really ask myself, what do I value? What is my philosophy in life? And then I started going out there and having experiences that matched that and, or experiences that confirmed or denied what I learned or what I had as an ideal in my head. Like, for example, a lot of people think that um, making a lot of money or sleeping with a ton of women or even guys or, you know, just living in a certain area or this and the other. A lot of people have a lot of ideas up in their head about something. The, the thing actually seems better in idea than it does in reality, but it could be. I mean, there are some people who said, oh, yeah, don't make a ton of money you know, I wasn't happy. I would, if I had to do it again, I would never go for making $10 million or something like that. And obviously learning from that is good, but you have to go out and do it yourself. That guy can go and out and say, Hey, don't become a millionaire or don't become a decamillionaire because you're going to be unhappy. Sure. That may work for him and in his world, but for you, coming from a different phase of life, you're from a completely different background than this guy is. $10 million may make you the happiest clam in the world. You don't know until you go out there and experience it. And you go out there and experience it with the foundation that you build in self-development, right? So that's why experience is number two, the street smarts part of philosophy. You have to get out, go out there and get your hands dirty Life is not lived in your bedroom. It's not lived in the basement. It's lived out in the real world in the daily give and take of life where your philosophy is tested on a daily basis. And believe me, it will be tested. So that is the second point. Experience. You need experience. The third point in this pillar of philosophy would be to create separation. And this part is very overlooked and I've mentioned creating separation many, many times. I think it's almost a cliche at this point how much it's a part of my philosophy because I've seen it work wonders in my life. And I've talked about this in the episode on isolation and also in different episodes. I can't remember. I've recorded, I think this is 70 episodes now. So um, creating separation, what does that mean? It means exactly what it sounds like. It means you are purposely creating a space between yourself and other people. And who are these other people? These other people are the people I mentioned earlier. These are your peers, your parents, and your authority figures. Because again, you were conditioned. You were programmed. You were put into a certain vibration, mental vibration. You were put into a certain uh, mental thought pattern by these people collectively that in order to really understand your own philosophy of life, you need to go out there and purposely create boundaries from these people because there's a lot of people who never really step out of lockstep with what their friends have to say. They're afraid of what their parents think. They're afraid of what other people around them think. So they're not able to really go out there and experience life how they should experience it, how the experience is for their path in life. 
they're never able to go out there and actually experience it. They're never able actually to go and work out their own specific karma. And then they end up living lives of conformity and lives of co-signing and lives of, again, to take a passage from Thoreau, quiet desperation, right? So creating separation. This means actually being your own man, being your own person, and living by your own values and standards. Because your parents gave birth to you, but they can't give birth to your mind. Your peers may have influence on your decisions day to day, but they can't think for you. Your authority figures also may have influence on what you do or don't do day to day, but they also can't think for you, right? So the act of thinking, act of doing, and actual being a critical thinker is the work of yourself. And this is why men or people in the past, men and women, had rites of passage because the rite of passage was meant to create mental and physical separation from one's parents and establish themselves as a independent figure in the world, uh, independent pick figure who's part of a larger community. And that's what philosophy is intended to do. It's intended to make you a critical thinker who can think about certain issues and bring your own take to the table instead of actually just going along with the flow. Because again, in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. So if you have a whole bunch of people just who don't who don't know what the fuck is going on, just telling each other what to do, you're going to eventually have somebody who doesn't have a clue, but they have a slightly more of a clue than these other people telling these people what to do. And you get a whole bunch of people who are falling far short of their potential because you didn't have anybody who really was a critical thinker in that group, right? So that's why creating separation is important because you need to be a critical thinker and you need to be able to come with your own ideas and your own philosophies on things. So fourth, we got to talk about clarity. Where are you going in life? Why do you need the set of things in your philosophy? And a lot of people are not clear on where they're going in life. So again, they just go with the herd. They go with the flow. And sometimes that can work, but many times it doesn't. And your philosophy will help clarify things for you. Because let's say you have a goal of being a respected business leader or being some sort of spiritual teacher or being a healer or being, uh, let's say, a doctor or a lawyer or engineer or something, whatever you want to be, whatever you want to do in life, you have a vision of who you want to be. So that's your clarity. That's your North Star. And obviously, if you want to become a yogi or a spiritual teacher or if you want to become a priest or, or if you want to become a business leader, those are all different paths. So those all have different nuances in the philosophy that lead them down that path. Like, for example, if you're a uh, Christian priest, if you're a Catholic priest, you're not you're not going to be you're probably not going to be doing asanas um, in your morning practice on a consistent basis, at least like a yogi would. So those are two different actions that lead to two different results for that person. And if you're a business leader, um, chances are that 
you're going to be working like minimum 50 hour weeks and your philosophy of life will sustain you through those long 50 hour weeks, right? So knowing where you're going is going to help inform your philosophy of life and it's going to help inform the the thinking you need to have in order to be a person in you know in those fields in those respective fields so you need to know where you're going because that will inform the actions you have to take over time to get there fifth got to bring up the subject of mental models so mental models are pretty much mental representations of reality so your brain your mind your consciousness or let's just talk about the brain for example because the brain is the physical element of the mind your brain is only capable of storing a certain amount of information in short-term consciousness and it's also uh, capable it's capable of storing a lot of information in your subconscious but organizing that into a logical pattern takes work so we look to things that are called mental models to offload that work like for example the mental model of let's say saving money if you have a mental model of oh i'm going to save um a hundred thousands and over time you get one hundred thousand dollars and the mental model for how do I save a hundred thousand dollars? You save a hundred thousands, and that's an example of mental model in finance. Another mental model would be something like something like what is called availability bias. So, pretty much, if you have a packet of chips or something that's easily accessible, chances are, and chances are very high, that you're going to go for that food, whatever it is. And you can have the most healthy food in your fridge. You can have your fridge stocked to bottom, stocked from top to bottom with healthy food. But if that food is not easily available, you, you'll have to use mental willpower to access that food. And that makes it a less appealing choice than easily available junk food. So the solution for that would be to use the mental model of availability bias. And you say, because this is easily available, I'm going to make healthy food more easily available. So you throw out your junk food and you make your healthy food more easily available so that can contribute to your goals. So that's an example of a mental model. And there's thousands of mental models because obviously human civilization reaches back thousands of years. and People have already come to conclusions on various problems that you're probably wrestling with. So there's a huge amount of mental models out there that people have already come up with and tested over and over again. And they are pretty much true most of the time everywhere. And this wasn't intended to be a pitch, but I'll just put it here. Um, I wrote an ebook called 40 Mental Models to Expand Your Thinking. And... In it, I talk about 40 mental models in the areas of psychology, philosophy, productivity, and progression, and there's 10 of each for each of them, and I go in depth on mental models that can easily be implemented, 
as soon as you finish reading the book. So <clears throat> I'll put a link to the book in the description to the podcast. And I hope you check it out because it was definitely a labor of love for me. And I would be more than appreciative if you picked yourself up a copy. So 40 Mental Models to Expand Your Thinking and Your Life. In the notes to this podcast. So that is fifth, mental models. And then sixth, the final one, would be self-expression. What makes up the pillar of philosophy? Self-expression. So the purpose of philosophy, of getting a good life philosophy, is to express yourself, is to show who you are as a human being. Because you are a unique creation. There has never been anyone with your exact genetics who's existed before. And there's never going to be someone who comes after again. So you are a once in a lifetime creation. And therefore, philosophy can help you express yourself to your fullest capacity. And instead of having to live in this hemmed in box that people have, other people have made for you, you start to live life from your perspective. And obviously, there are objective ways that there are objective things in life that help life run. Like, for example, gravity. If you think about gravity, it is present all the time everywhere, and it is a universal law. So these universal laws are pretty much the principles upon which you build an objective sense of philosophy. But life is also very subjective, as we all know, and there's many different ways you can live it. So the purpose of having a good philosophical grounding is that when you do this, you're able to look at your past and prior programming and look at it under the inquisitive light of introspection. And you're able to put some distance away from that programming. And you're able to really say which parts of it you want to keep and which parts of it you don't. Because to be honest, there was a lot of things that I learned growing up that I don't think are necessarily... It's not that they're not necessarily true, but in my experience and in my worldview and the way I live my life, those things are not practical and they're not usable. So I just threw them out. But there was a lot of things I learned from many people, especially my parents, that I still keep in mind today. So that's what really philosophy is going to help you do. It's going to help you look at things from a distance in a sense because when you get to a certain point in your life and you're able to look back at other places in your life you would think that oh if I only would have known I would have done so and so but you did the best you could with what you had but then now it's time to look at the things you were taught and the things you learned and actually look at them with a critical eye saying does this really stand up to life is this how you know, life is lived. Is this how life is experienced? And once you start to get more grounding in philosophy and you start to get the knowledge, get the experience, you start to create the separation, you start to create the clarity and you start to gain the mental models, that's when you start to really express yourself as a human being and really show that inner light, that divine light that exists in all of us, right? So that's it for this manifesto on philosophy. And to sum up, again, knowledge, experience, separation, 
clarity, mental models, and self-expression make up this pillar of philosophy. So, once again, I hope you enjoyed this episode. And links to everything, the Twitter, the website, Course Cornerstone, and the ebook will all be in the notes to this episode. And I thank you so, so much for tuning in to another episode of the Unstoppable Rise podcast. And I'm looking forward to seeing you in the next episode where we're going to be talking about productivity. And that's going to be a very dense one. So hope you're getting ready for that. But until next time, I hope you take care. And as always, always be curious. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in and listening in. I truly appreciate your support and your attention. It means a lot. If you like this content, go ahead and like the content. Go ahead and share the content with at least two other people you think would benefit. doesn't hurt to spread the good stuff around, right? And if you're listening in on iTunes, go ahead and rate the show with a honest rating. This will definitely help the show grow. And I truly appreciate your feedback. So until next time, stay good. Take care of yourself. Take care of other people. And peace. Peace.